Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Yes, indeed, and I am joined this morning from the University of Minnesota. Julie Weisenhorn is back with us. Julie, good morning to you. Hey, Danny, how you doing? I'm doing well, finally cooling off at least yeah. a little bit. No Still kidding. sizzling a little bit, but cooling off. It was what a, hot a week, one. and I <laughs> not only a week, but a, a certainly a, a summer that uh, we can talk about forever. Uh, right. How are things in your garden? I mean, uh, have, have uh, is your yard and garden uh, had a tough time too? Actually, my garden's been doing pretty well. I have a lot of leaf mulch on my garden, and so mm. that mulch is really important for holding in moisture. And uh, and it could be wood mulch also out at the foodscape, which is the design that I've been working on out at the Arboretum. We've been installing it. And I tell you, the wood mulch has helped immensely in reducing the amount of watering that we have to do. So uh, mulch is, is still a really important part of uh, surviving some of these heat waves that we're getting and these droughts. 
Uh, and again, if you're new to the show, thanks for checking us out. We call it Smart Garden. And uh, if you have any kind of a lawn or garden question for Julie, by all means, call it in or text it in, whichever is easier for you. We'd love to hear your voice. But if it's easier for you to send uh, Julie a text, either way, one number will uh, get you the phone call or the text. And that number is 651 461 9226. Of course, we'll uh, mention uh, that great place, the Arboretum, any time <laughs> of the year to get out there. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk about that. But already, Julie, which is no surprise to you, I know, we're, we're getting a bunch of text messages great. Uh, as well. Uh, and, of course, the phone's ringing, too. Uh, a listener says, for grub control to be effective, what is the last date this summer to apply it? What do you think about grub control? Oh, grubs control. So the grubs are small now, and uh, and they're going to be just living in the soil through till next spring when they emerge as adults. So now is about the time to be applying any kind of grub control. Be sure that you have grubs. Uh, some people feel that they just need to apply it because they're afraid of having Japanese beetles in their yard. And Japanese beetles... Um, just because you have them in your yard doesn't mean you necessarily have grubs in your soil. So just be sure that you have them before you apply any kind of grub control. And this is about the right time of year. I think it goes until the around the mid-August or so. We do have a good web page on extension.umn.edu about Japanese beetles, and it includes a nice graph about when to apply uh, grub and uh, you know when's the most effective time. Um, that's really important because effect, if you apply it at the wrong time, you're really not going to affect the populations of grubs that you might have in your soil. So take a look at that web page just to be sure, but it's, I think you can still apply it up until about mid-August. Okay. You mentioned Japanese beetles, a text that came in oh, earlier yeah. today. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't know what they look like, and they want to know what, what do Japanese beetles look like? <laughs> well, they're actually really attractive. Are they? <laughs> Yeah, they have a kind of a shiny green head, and uh, they're maybe about, oh, I don't know, not quite a half an inch long or so. I'm kind of holding my fingers apart here. Yeah, they're about a half inch long. And they have a copper uh, back, so they're shiny green, coppery colored, and they have five white uh, tufts of fur or hair, I guess it would be, on either side of their abdomen. So they're really easy to see. They're large. Um, they're fairly lazy. They don't uh, fly very fast. So if you're picking them off of your plants, um, I have a few. I haven't had very many, to be perfectly honest. Um, but I've had a few on my grapevines, and they're actually quite easy to grab with your fingers. I usually put on a pair of gloves and just drop them in a soapy bucket of water, and, and that should take care of them. So if you do that pretty diligently every day, you're going to reduce your numbers considerably. The more you let them feed, the more they attract more beetles. Mm. So the sooner the better. All <laughs> yeah. right. Kind of like, hey, right. guys, there's food over here. Yeah. <laughs> Word travels fast. Uh, let's, uh, we're getting a bunch of phone calls as well. Let's take care of some listeners. Mary Lou, first of all, is calling in from uh, Crystal this morning. Mary Lou, you're on CCO with Julie. What's your question, please? Good morning, Julie and Danny. Um, I don't have many beetles there this year, so that's great news. My question is, um, I have so many spider webs on my plants outside, my flowers and stuff, and I'm just wondering if that's a problem or if, uh, if, if it isn't. 
I I always go around and kind of get wind around and get those webs out of there. But in the meantime, I'm probably knocking off flowers too. So I'm just wondering <laughs> if they're a problem. <laughs> the only thing I would would guess I have a lot of them too. By the way, I don't know why, but I have more spiders, house spiders, this year than uh, than in previous years, and it's. Chances are it's just the environment. It's more conducive. These insect populations have cycles where they, the populations go up and then the populations go back down. And uh, if they're truly spider webs, you can just take a broom and sweep them off or you can hose them. I sometimes will spray as I'm watering my plants. I'll spray those webs off and they'll, they'll drop off. Um, but if they are toward the ends of the plants, on the tops of the plants where there are f- new buds and new growth, you might have spider mites. And they like a hot, dry condition. So we've had kind of hot, dry conditions. And uh, usually there's enough predators around to be feeding on those spider mites, but sometimes we do get them. So just be sure that they're not spider mites. Uh, again, a blast of water will help. There's also some... Uh, Treatments that you can use, chemical treatments for spider mites as well. You'll notice if they are spider mites, you'll notice stippling. There's also some uh, treatments that you can use, chemical treatments for spider mites as well. You'll notice if they are spider mites, you'll notice stippling on the leaves. That's a kind of like um, spider mites have uh, when they're sucking the juices out of your plants, they're they're making little holes in the leaves, and that leaves a little kind of a dotted pattern on the leaves. And those dots will turn kind of yellow from the damage, and you'll get this stippling effect. So take a look closely at those plants. Again, you're looking for the buds and the new growth, and then uh, and then that webbing. And uh, if that's what you have, then you want to address that from a spider mite standpoint. But if you just have regular spider webs, just hosing them off uh, off your house or your plants should do it. Okay. Thank you, Mary Lou. Let's uh, go to Big Lake. John is there calling in uh, a lawn or garden question. Uh, John, uh, good morning, John. What is your question for Julie? Hello. I have a very sandy soil lot, and I have maple sprouts, but also maple-looking vines. And so I'm trying to save one that seems like a very good tree, not a vine. What is the best way to achieve that? And then I also have oak trees, but the oak leaves, they look more like bushes than trees, and they have, like, old red bulbs or bumps on them. And I'm curious if they're actually maple trees or why they would be looking like that. So two questions, sorry. Okay, so the first question, you're a little bit hard to understand, John. So uh, the first question is about the maple seedlings. But you mentioned some a vine or something that you're trying to save? Well, right. The seedling seems like it's a full-on tree, but then other places in my yard it looks more like a vine, and I don't know if it's just prematurely a natural maple tree. Oh. So you're wondering if these seedlings, you have something that's kind of vining, and you're wondering if it's a maple tree? Correct. Is that Okay. All right, so, and then I understood the question about the oaks. So the oaks, first of all, that's an easy one. Those are oak galls. So galls are uh, a response that the plant has to some insect feeding, usually midges. Uh, They don't harm the tree. I have them on my red oak, too. In fact, I just saw a leaf. I was like, whoa, that's a lot of galls. Um, But that's, but it's okay. It's not going to harm the tree. Uh, Just kind of a weird natural anomaly. 
Uh, as far as the vine, maple trees are not going to create any kind of a vine as they grow. So those you have a lot of maple seedlings, which is great. If you want those, that's wonderful. You know, more trees are great. But if you have any kind of a vining, that's a different plant. And I'm trying to think what it might be. It could be a grapevine. Those are pretty common. Uh, when they're young, they maybe have a little bit of a maple-shaped leaf, uh, and they change as they mature. It could also be um, something like Virginia creeper, which is one of our native vines. That's a nice native vine. It's great for fences in particular, chain link fences. And it has a nice kind of a palmate leaf, but when it's younger, it may look a little bit like a maple leaf. So if you can get a picture of that vine and a really nice clear picture, you can send it to Ask Extension. That's on our website at extension.umn.edu. And Master Gardeners will help you identify that vine from pictures. So take really clear pictures. I think you can send up to three along with your email. And, uh, and you know, they can probably help you identify what that vine is. All right. Great. We need to take a quick break, Julie. We'll do that very Sounds thing, good. inviting listeners to call in or text in their lawn or garden question at 651-461-9226. Right now in the Twin Cities, uh, we're heading for uh, 81 degrees today, 82 tomorrow, but right now, few clouds. CCU temp, 68 degrees. And good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here every Saturday in the uh, 8 o'clock hour here on CCU Radio, welcoming your lawn and garden questions this morning. Julie Weisenhorn. From the U of M is answering those very questions. Somebody's asking the Abiders. Now, the Abiders, for those that don't know, is a group Julie is a member of. I'm saying the syntax backwards. <laughs> member. Uh, <laughs> the Abiders, they're playing today, I think. We guys. are. Yes, we are. We're playing out at Parley Lake Winery as part of the Waconia Wine Festival. And we start at noon. We'll be playing from noon till 1.30. So I hope to see some of our uh, listeners out there. Please come up oh, and introduce today. yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Great right time. after the show. Right. I got to head out. <laughs> you got to remind us of uh, that before you leave this morning. I'd be uh, happy we'll do to. That. In the meantime, we'll put you back to work. Uh, Gary All is right. calling in this morning from St. Louis Park, I do believe. Uh, Gary, what is your question for Julie? Hi. Good morning, Denny and Judy. Julie. Um, Julie, is there um, a lack of squirrels this year. It seems like last year they were all over the place, and I don't think I've seen a half a dozen of them in my yard all summer so far. I'm going to send you a few from our house, okay? Wow, Gary, you are really <laughs> lucky because <laughs> we get lots of uh, complaints about squirrels. So, yeah, not sure. I have not heard that there's a reduced population of squirrels. Um, could just be that the squirrels have uh, taken up residence elsewhere. Maybe not in your yard. Um, I don't know. That's a hmm. that's a good question. Yeah. I have not seen any evidence of that, again, in our neighborhood. <laughs> uh, thanks, Gary. Interesting question. Let's uh, grab a call from Cindy, who is calling in from Minneapolis uh, this morning. Cindy, what is your question today? Uh, yes, good morning. Um, I have a large pot in a shady area in my backyard that I planted about 10. You know, every year I plant it with annuals. And, um, I mean, it's huge. It's probably three feet in diameter. But this year, it um, in the middle of the summer here, it stopped draining. And uh, it's going, you know, it'll be kind of a big job to start over. 
And so, so there's some of the plants are starting to die back. I have things like caladium and wax begonias and things like that in the pot. And so in the short term, I'm wondering if um, Julie has any ideas about things I could plant in there that will survive when a pot won't drain. Um, and then next year, maybe I'll start over and dig it all out again. But wondering if you have any ideas on that. Oh, pot that won't drain. Eef, boy. Um I, that is, hmm, let's see. I think what I would probably do is if you don't want to do any kind of soil amending or anything, it sounds like you want to just kind of say, well, we're going to take care of this next year. I would actually buy, uh, go to one of my local garden centers and buy a container that's planted. And I would plant, I put that container that drains into that pot. So, or set it, you know, just dig it down into the pot. So at least it's draining out of the immediate area of the roots. You can get, you know, really pretty decent containers right now potted up uh, for quite a good uh, deal. It's the end of the season, getting close to it. I hate to say that. But I think I'd put a pot in a pot, basically, and uh, and just take care of it that way. All right, very good. We have probably two tons of text messages messages here this morning. Busy, very busy morning, so let's uh, help those folks out. All right. Um, I, this texture says, I recently planted two apple trees this spring. One is a honey crisp, the other a sweet 16. On a couple of the branches of the sweet 16 tree, the leaves have turned brown and are curled up. Uh, first question, what is going on and what should I do about that? Also, how should I care for these two trees their first year? Oh, boy. Okay, so I think the browning is from, obviously, the heat and the, the drought that we've had. With new trees, you want to be sure that you're watering them uh, religiously, and especially through their first year of life. So now, granted, that doesn't include winter for us. But uh, we do have a good webpage on, uh, called Water Wisely, and it includes guidelines for watering newly planted trees like yours and also established trees. And the newly planted trees, uh, depending on the size of the tree, will need water, uh, certain gallons of water. It's about one to one and a half gallons of water per inch caliper of the stem. And so you would want to just measure that. Let's say it's two inches, so it would need two gallons of water to five gallons of water every, um, or two gallons of water, yeah, did I get that right? Um, every, um, every day, essentially, ex- with the exception of rainy days, and keep watering that. So watering is really critical to helping those new trees that you just planted reestablish their roots. So they're in kind of transplant shock when they go in the ground. So you want to encourage them to be reaching those roots and growing those roots outside the containerized uh, plant shape, you know, the ball that they've got, so uh, the root ball. So that's really important. And mulching the plants are important too because, as I mentioned early on in the show, that really will help to manage the soil and keep that soil moisture consistent and also cool those roots. So that will lower the stress on your plant. I think your plant is displaying some some heat stress, which is pretty typical of this time of year and the conditions we have as well as it being a newly planted tree. So take a look at that website. It's super helpful. Again, it's under Water Wisely under our Trees and Shrubs section at extension.umn.edu. Very good. Uh, Let's do another text before we catch up on the forecast. After watering every other day, my dahlias are only knee high. What could be wrong? 
Uh, it could be the, I, I don't know. It sounds to me like you maybe have grown these before um, and they should be taller, your expectations. If you haven't, if they're new plants, they could just be shorter dahlias. Uh, I've noticed that the dahlias that we planted out at the foodscape, they've really been struggling too. We started them uh, from seed in the greenhouse and they have not grown very well. So I think it's just a tough year for them. On the other hand, if you visit the dahlia trials at the Arboretum, you'll see very tall, beautiful dahlias. And I've heard from other people too that their dahlias are looking fantastic. So um, again, maybe making sure that, that the base of the plant is mulched, uh, it's good that you're watering them. Maybe um, maybe there there might be a fertilizer issue. If you haven't done a soil test, you may need to add a little bit of extra nutrient for your dahlias. So those are some ideas. All right, very good. Hang on, Julie. We'll take a bit of a break here, look at that weather forecast, and we'll have about another half hour of the show to go here on our Smart Garden Saturday, 651 461 9226. Back after the weather here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here every Saturday on CCO uh, in uh, the 8 o'clock hour, welcoming your phone calls and text messages for Julie Weisenhorn from the U of M. Uh, Julie, we have so many, so many <laughs> questions so uh, coming in this many. morning. This is one of the busiest times I've ever seen, as a matter of fact. But quickly, let's let's mention that, that and we always like to give the, the Arboretum a couple of words here because it's such a... It's such a great resource, just like the U of right. M uh, website. A great resource. Yeah, it's it's amazing. From the Anderson Horticultural Library, which is a non-lending horticultural library, really focused on plants, uh, to the eatery, which is a wonderful place to have lunch or a snack. Uh, there's tons to see. Go to the gift shop. Find your favorite gardener, a, a special gift from the Arboretum. But be sure to get out in the grounds. The annual garden is absolutely vivid with color. The rose gardens are all in bloom. The um, The trees are looking amazing. And one collection that I would want to highlight is the pine collection. It's out on Three Mile Drive, probably about mm, about halfway there or so. And it is gorgeous. You can walk there on the three-mile walk. So that's a walking path. It's paved. And you can just leave your car parked. You don't have to get in and out of a hot, sweaty car. And just walk out there. It's a gorgeous plant collection. And it's really stellar uh, in the world of Arboreta here in uh, the United States. It's really one of the top pine collections that we have available to us in, in uh, the public garden world. The other thing I'd recommend, too, is, is going out to the farm. If you have not been to the farm at the Arb, be sure to come out there. We have the Fruitful Way. The Bee Center is out there with lots of interactive activities for kids and big kids and small kids. We have beehives that you can sit safely inside the center and watch uh, our beekeeper, Ping, work with the bees and narrate what she's doing. And then across the street from that is the new Myers Education Center, and that's the project that I've been working on. It's called the Foodscape, and it is a landscape around our education center 
that celebrates the beauty of food and shows you different kinds of plants and ways to combine them. So yeah, come on out to the Arb. It is absolutely fabulous right now. And make reservations online makes parking so easy. Yes, thank you very much for mentioning that. Make reservations online, and it doesn't cost anything for members. And if you're not a member, you know, if you're going to plan on going a couple of times, you may as well become a member because yeah, they'll they'll uh, deduct that day pass uh, from your membership cost that day that Absolutely. you sign up. Absolutely, I want to get out there this week if I can. Well, um, tell me when you're coming because I'm I out will. there. <laughs> That's where I, I work. Absolutely will. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, in the meantime, we've got so many listeners need some help here. Here's All another right. one. Our full sun backyard is overgrown with weeds right now. Is uh, now a good time to treat it and with what? Yeah, so weeds, uh, like this weather that we've been having, just like our plants do, um, some of the things that you'll want to pay attention to is definitely what's the condition of your lawn. And you're going to want to adjust that. Fall is a great time to do that. I think if John were online, he'd say you could start uh, looking at uh, aerating and uh, top dressing with seed probably around the beginning of um, end of August, beginning of September. And that is because we have cool season grasses. So that's the number one thing to prevent so many weeds in your lawn. The other thing that you can do too is you could uh, spot treat. So if you have like a big patch of, let's say, Creeping Charlie or uh, something like um, an annual grass like uh, crabgrass, you can spot treat that with a chemical to kill that off, and then you want to seed right away after removing the dead uh, vegetation. And that will help to uh, kind of promote a stronger, more lush lawn. And be sure when you're looking for seed to choose seed that's really good quality. Um, We have some great seed recommendations on our turf.umn.edu website. And maybe take a look at those. Find a vendor that's uh, near you, maybe, and you can talk to them about your conditions, bring pictures of your yard, and they can help you with a seed mix. All right. Excellent. Uh, Here's a listener who wanted us and them to give a shout-out, and I agree here, to all the 4-H extension staff who are in the middle of county fair season. They are an incredibly wonderful group of people who clearly love what they do, hooray for them and all the 4-H kids, too. So yes, yes. Thanks for that reminder. And, and also, also I want to give a shout-out to Terry and Laura Lee Nenick, who are our Farm Family of the Year. Terry is a retired extension professor. He was the vegetables and fruit specialist when I was uh, just starting an extension. And just a wealth of information. He and Laura Lee own a, a market, a farm and market. They do farmer's markets up at... Uh, Bagley, Minnesota, and they are the Farm Family of the Year. They're going to be celebrated at Farm Fest, which I believe is coming up this week. All right, very good. Uh, Texter says this, or asks this, once you have squash borer in your squash, Mm. is there any way of stopping them and still let the squash mature? Oh, well, it's that's a little complicated. So scouting for squash borer adults, which are very vivid uh, red and black and white, Uh, moths or yeah they're moths Um, they are uh, that's that's the first step if you find it in your vine you can extract the larvae Uh, we did this last year remember the giant pumpkin project Denny oh yeah so we had squash vine borer in our giant pumpkin vines and Noah Burley who was our intern and uh, he was extracting them using a knife a thin blade knife like an exacto knife 
and then actually just use very scientific a paper clip to uh, to pull out the little larvae. Some of them were a little bit bigger than the little larvae, and then he would bind that uh, vine together using what's called parafilm, which is a a film, a stretchy film that's used for grafting. But you could use probably something else too, glad wrap or something like that. Um, so he manually would remove them. He got really good at noticing the damage. It's a little kind of a little callousy looking damage on the vine where the squash vine borer had laid its egg, and that ultimately led him to the larvae. But if you have vines that have collapsed because of squash vine borer, all you can do is cut those vines off and remove them. You can't heal them up at that point. If they've collapsed, which they collapse very quickly, then you're kind of out of luck on that respect. You can spray with seven, which is a, a chemical that will uh, treat for that. But um, a lot of people don't do that in time. It's a really a timing thing. And so if you, again, if you've had that squash vine borer, if it's damaged your vines now uh, and they've started to wilt oh, like literally overnight, then chances are that that, those vines need to be cut off, and that's that. So you have to keep a really close eye out because those larvae may tunnel into other vines too. Mm -hmm. This listener, Julie, wants you to talk a little bit more about leaf mulch. Uh, It says, he or she says, I leave my fall leaves on my bed over the winter, but remove in the spring. Should I leave them through the summer, or are you speaking to something else? Uh, No, I'm kind of, that's exactly what I do. Um, The leaf mulch is a way to use, to keep, the leaves uh, uh, that come down from your trees on your property. So you don't have to bag them. You don't have to haul them. They act as a really good carbon source for carbon-poor soils. And I just leave them on. If they're really, really thick, I will peel some off and throw those into the compost. Uh, But if they're not too bad, then I just let them break down over the summer. So, yes, that's uh, definitely something that you can do with the leaves that you have. All right. And let's take a phone call. Jean is uh, checking in uh, from uh, Lake Elmo this morning. Jean, what's your question for Julie? Good morning, Julie. Um, I've bought a property last spring. It's uh, uh, we got about a 15-foot space between two driveways. Um, I've got two crab apple trees that are gorgeous, but they're hanging over both driveways. And any time, like, a UPS or FedEx truck goes down one, it's breaking all the bra- – or breaking some of the branches. How much can I – I mean, if I cut them straight up, they're going to look like a big popsicle stick. <laughs> yeah, um, so – okay. Go ahead. Well, I, I don't know how much I can – Okay. All right. So, yeah, that is an issue. So when these plants were planted, they did not take into consideration the width of the plant, the spread, which you've definitely found out, Gene. Um, If you can wait until winter, if that's possible, uh, that would be the best time to prune them. Because right now, if you prune them, you can potentially open up wounds, which could invite uh, bacteria or especially in the weather we're having this kind of muggy weather and that could uh, harm the tree in the end it could cause some health issues for the tree so if you can wait till winter that would be great uh, it's also a little easier to see the branching at that point it could also be that these plants have not been pruned 
that they have just kind of been left to grow and they haven't been, the canopy hasn't been thinned. Um, if they are major trees, like really, really large trees, and it sounds like they are, I would actually, I would recommend a certified arborist to come in and do the pruning this first time and to kind of show you maybe how you can take care of those trees in the future. If the trees are absolutely, you've got to get them out right now, um, as far as you've got to head them back, then you can bring them back somewhat. And you're right in saying, what will the form look like? You know, it'll look like a popsicle, head them back. Then you can bring them back somewhat. And you're right in saying, what will the form look like? You know, it'll look like a popsicle stick or a lollipop. Um, so, but you want to, you'll have to be selective in the branches that you head back. And then you could put a little bit of latex paint on the ends of the cuts that you make. So you could take like a little sponge brush, you know, those little disposable sponge brushes and just dab the end just to seal it up against any kind of bacteria or fungal infection that might enter the plant. All right. We need to take a quick break, Julie, so hang on. We'll do that, and we'll uh, come back with uh, more questions and answers here on our Smart Garden Show. In the Twin Cities, uh, currently, uh, as I said earlier, we're heading for a high of 81 today, about the same tomorrow. But right now, CCO temp, 68 degrees. And welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here at A3OWCCO. Denny Long, along with Julie Weisenhorn from the University of Minnesota. Julie, I know we've got so many uh, textures. Maybe we can do a lightning round here real Sounds fast. Um, in the meantime, though, the abiders are playing today, not too far from now, right? Yeah, we're playing at noon at Parley Lake Winery as part of the Waconia Wine Festival. And what time? Come on out Again, noon? Uh, noon to one thirty. just now an hour and a half. Where is that located? So that's located just west of uh, Waconia, just barely west of Waconia, um, on highway f- just off of Highway Five. Oh, perfect! Easy drive. Easy. Um, well, we'll have a have a good time. Break a leg then. And Thanks. I mentioned to you off air, and I mentioned to our listeners early this morning, uh, our bosses have asked not just me but all of us, after kind of a big hiatus at the Minnesota State Fair, to come on back and. Uh, Woohoo! We've agreed to do that, at least most of us, I have, as long as I can still have my chauffeur with the limousine. No, that's not true. Uh, but are you going to be there with me? I am going to be there with you, yes. Absolutely. I wouldn't miss it. That'll be the, the first Saturday. The first Saturday, so the 26th. Outstanding. August well, good. 26th. We'll talk more about that as we get closer. It's not that yeah. far away from now. So It'll be good to see you in person. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. We'll I, have to get John on the show, too. Let's do that. John, meaning the uh, our turf expert. Yeah, yep. absolutely. Let's do that. All right, let's uh, get to it here. My husband cut a branch off a tree to close to close the, to trunk. It now oozes out of that spot. Anything we do to ensure it stays healthy? Well, it depends on what the tree is. Uh, yeah. Some trees bleed, like birches or maples. Um, so that would be the first thing: is identify the type of tree and then uh, send a question to Ask Extension at the for the Master Gardeners to answer. But identify the tree first. You could also send pictures of the tree, especially the leaves and the bark, and that would be helpful too in identifying it. Yeah. Texter says I have about a dozen plants in my pumpkin patch. Of all the blossoms, only one pumpkin. What's going on? Yeah. So squash have male and female flowers on the vine. So you have lots of male flowers, which is great for bees because they are busy collecting that pollen, but probably just a few female flowers. And that's pretty, can be, it's just kind of a, 
it's random. You don't really, you can't do anything to have more female flowers than male. It's just the way it happens. Uh, you can just, you know, keep hoping that there's going to be another female flower and you'll get another pumpkin, but you might just have one this year. All right. My pepper plant's producing, but my tomatoes are not as abundant. Why do you think? Well, a lot of times the heat waves have a lot to do with that. The pollen doesn't be, is less viable. Um, the flowers may drop off because the plant is just not able to support those flowers during the heat. So you just have to be patient. Keep watering them. Uh, it could just be a year that you're not going to get a lot of peppers or tomatoes, or a lot okay. of tomatoes. Do you put anything on the top of your potted plants to keep the moisture in? You can put mulch. You can mulch the tops of your potted plants. It's a great idea. Okay. My potatoes were infested with potato bugs this year. I haven't had them for years. I rotate where I plant potatoes every year. Is there a way to treat the soil to, to prevent them from coming back next year? Uh, not that I know of for potato beetles. Uh, like I said earlier in the show, uh, insect populations rise and fall, and it could be a year that's just a good year for potato beetles. Um, but take a look at our website. We actually have a page on potatoes, and you can also just Google potato beetles and come up with some uh, specific recommendations as well. Some folks were hit with hail, and this texture says mm. our garden was severely damaged by a hailstorm. Broken stems everywhere were trampled down. Is there a good way to recover plants like zucchini, cucumber, tomatoes, cantaloupe are the most damaged ones? Uh, the important thing is to remove any dead vegetation. So if you've had branches or stems or leaves that have been broken, just cut those off. Use a clean pruner uh, and and just cut those off, dispose of them, uh, and you know hopefully the plants will recover. Okay. Uh, Tom in Lakeville says this. I have some uh, new, uh, arbor, new arborvitaes. Some are turning yellow. Is there anything I can do about that? Mm, turning yellow. That could be uh, an excess amount of moisture. Sometimes people are overzealous with their watering when we have such dry conditions. Uh, could also be um, lack of sun in that area. Maybe that's become shaded. It depends also on the where that uh, growth is, if it, that yellow growth, if it's at the bottom, I would say it's probably lack of sun or it could be um, uh, damage to those leaves somehow. But again, for any major plants that you have, I would contact a certified arborist. We have a good webpage under trees and shrubs at extension.umn.edu called How to Hire a Tree Care Professional. Excellent. Is it too late to prune arborvita? listener wants to know. Uh, you can still prune them up until probably about August. Okay. Good morning. We seeded a new lawn a few weeks ago. We did not roll it as we thought it was compacted enough after spreading. It's still pretty soft. The grass is coming in nicely. Can we roll it now or would that harm the grass? I think if it's coming in nicely, I would just let it go. Um, just leave it alone for now. Shrub rose only flowered once. Leaves are sparse, small, and yellow. No new buds. Any ideas to help improve it? Oh, that could be a lot of things with roses. It could be um, that you've had insects that are maybe eating the leaves. You said there's not very many leaves. Could be how it was planted, if it's a new plant. Um, could be that uh, the soil nutrients are lacking for the plant. So lots of different things. I would start with a soil test. And then I would also take a look at uh, some information on roses. And we don't have, I don't know if we have a really good page on roses. That's a, that's a really good suggestion. Right. But um, it could be that. It could also be excess of moisture if you've been overwatering. Let's do one more. 
My lilies of the valley have suffered in the drought. Will they come back next year or are they done? No, they'll be just fine. (laughs) That's a tough plant. Yeah. Uh, One more maybe. Is it better to postpone planting new trees till September or even October? I would just wait until at least next month and see how the weather is. We want these cooler nights, warm days and cooler nights for planting. It's a little tough right now for for trees, but yeah, just wait a couple weeks. Just about out of time, but uh, Julie, on a kind of a a very personal note, I was hesitating going to mention this, but I'm going to do this because just a few days ago, my granddaughter and her husband, Jake, have a brand new baby. Oh. Her name is Violet. I love that name. Oh, I love that. I love flower names. You know what that means when my granddaughter has a baby, what that makes me. (laughs) The greatest grandpa ever. (laughs) I had to mention it. Congratulations. Beautiful girl. Beautiful baby girl. Congratulations. That's awesome. that name. So congratulations. And, uh, how, yeah, how can this happen? I'm only 42. I, mean, I know. Good. You're such a youngster. You started young. All right, Julie, we're going to see you at uh, where at uh, noon today? Uh, Parley Lake Winery out by Waconia. And get on the web. You want to see a, have a great resource. Uh, give us that university website. Extension.umn.edu. And please come out to the Arboretum. Uh, it yes. is fantastic right now, and it's going to be a nice week to be there. I hope to see you there, Denny. Get, let me know when yeah, you're coming. Yeah, in, in a few weeks, we'll see you at the Minnesota State Fair. Woohoo! I'll get to have old, a corn dog. <laughs> like old times. All right, Julie, thanks so much. Have a good day. Thanks today. a lot. You too. Julie Bye-bye. Weisenhorn from the University of Minnesota. Now, coming up next hour, after the uh, CCO News Break, of course, we'll have our Home Improvement Show. This morning, any questions about decks, you're in luck because Luke Panic. The deck and port specialist from Lindis will be uh, answering those questions today. So if you have specifically any deck questions, this is your day. Next hour, here on News Talk 830 W. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.